Hello. I'm Patricia, long-time host of what is probably the most downloaded haiku podcast globally. Welcome to today's program. I have invited a fellow poet, Kurt Paulish, along to P-Towers to introduce the next Highbun call-out. It's next month, if you're listening to us in real time. That is June 2023. If you're not, check out the submission page on the Poetry P website and see what we're up to. We always have something that you can submit your work to. This month, we have the haiku prompt on YouTube. You need to add your poetry in the comments section to have a chance of being featured on the podcast and in the Poetry P journal. There's a link in the show notes. And if you're on the mailing list, well, there might just be a mailing you'll be interested in. Do keep your eyes peeled. Of course, you'll need to be signed up to the mailing list, and you can do that via the website too. Now, as I said, Kurt has an interesting proposition for us. You'll need to listen to all of our chat to get the gist of what we're asking you to do for the next Highborn call out in July 2023. He has written an essay covering this chat, which will be in the next journal, and that should be out in plenty of time for you to read it. It will be announced in a mailing, so again, make sure you're on the mailing list. The next journal is going to be gargantuan. So, without further ado, let's go for it and meet Kurt Paulish. Welcome to Poetry Bee Readings. I'm Patricia, and today I'm joined by Kurt Paulish from Madison, Wisconsin. Regular listeners to the podcast will know him from his work, which has been featured in many of our podcasts and journals. Not to mention, of course, many other notable journals of the Japanese short-form genre. Kurt, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Patricia. It's nice to be here. I have been a big fan of the journal and the podcast. It's an honor to, to be with you. Lovely to have you. Now, like many of us who came to Haiku, your journey involved a bit of pain and illness and a desire to overcome it. And I was wondering, as we were putting this together, how successful the writing and study of Japanese short forms has been for you in terms of your illness? Well, the thing I love about Haiku is that it takes me out of my head, out of my body. It makes me alive and focusing on what is around me. It lets me look at detail and then lets me see the joy in that because that's what haiku is for me. It's an exercise of getting in touch with joy because I'm seeing what's truly there. It's not um, a complete uh, painkiller by any stretch of the imagination, but it helps. It helps my mood, which is for anyone who has dealt with pain knows that one's mood is a big part of uh, what goes on in life, in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get what you're saying. Kurt, our podcast today has taken quite a while to come to fruition. I think you first wrote to me in September 2021 with a piece that you said you felt this defied description. Was it an essay? Was it a highborn? Or was it something else? Perhaps you could read it to us and then we'll have a chat about it. Well, that would be fine. It's entitled From House to Barn 
by Kurt Polish and begins with an opening haiku. Geese honking pre-dawn, headlights in the dark. Mid-October, still nighttime, but with a hint of light on the eastern horizon. Back then, I was just 14. Dad had excused me from my high school classes in suburban Milwaukee to hunt for geese on farmland outside the Horicon Wildlife Refuge. It was about a 90-minute drive away in the early, early morning darkness. The refuge was world famous. That day, I would see why. We stopped at the farmer's home to pay for the goose blind we'd reserved. Dad knocked on the back door that abutted the driveway midway to the barn. In Wisconsin, maybe everywhere, the real main door is the back one. You could see your breath cold. An older woman in a pink bathrobe came to the door. I glanced inside. Torn wallpaper, metal kitchen table, piles of the Reader's Digest. Linoleum floor cracked in the corner. Her husband was out in the barn with Jake, their son. And so in our hunting boots and clothes, think earth tan, we trudged over a path of flat embedded stones in the yard and onto the driveway with its gravel crunch. Ahead, the barn door stood in a halo of light from a high-posted lamp. A few last crickets. In the night sky, so unlike the city, was a vast tumbling of stars. From house to barn, the Milky Way, Lee Gerga. Lee Gerga's house to barn haiku has become inseparable with my memory of that morning's goose hunt. The haiku's economy of words matched the lifestyle I'd seen through the back door. The steps down the back stairs and towards the barn matched the haiku's progressively indented lines. And that path from house to barn to milk the cows was, as dad and I would see, literally a milky way. This was the 70s, Wisconsin farmers had their own small herds of dairy cows along with corn and hay fields. We didn't have any big ag factory farms back then. Upon ducking through the small white barn door, there in the steamy hay mist of that pre-dawn dairy farm, I, I spotted Jake in one of the stanchions behind a black and white cow, and our eyes briefly locked, then looked away. Jake, maybe 30, mustache, unshaven, green and gold Packers cap, dark rings beneath his eyes. Did Jake see me as some rich suburban kid with all the advantages? Were Dad and I like English landlords examining the tenants and exercising some sort of manorial right to hunt their land? Was Jake just tired, maybe knowing that morning he'd be off to his second job to help keep the farm afloat and get health insurance for a pregnant wife. But one thing remains for, for sure, Jake and his family, for Jake and his family, milking the cows at dawn came with the job. He had the Milky Way, I had the Milky Way.
So dad paid the farmer and we took our stuff out to a wooden blind camouflaged by tied up corn stalks. It was a closely regulated hunt. We'd been allotted one goose each to shoot for the season. Dawn and the geese came, thousands upon thousands from dots far away to flocks a thousand yards near to small formations or strays not far above the tree line within shotgun ranch. All day with their calls, those honks calling to each other, calling to the world, all of them leaving their night marsh refuge to nearby farmers' cornfields for midday dinner. A goose has got to eat. Home after the hunt, head on pillow, the mind hearing geese horizon to horizon. Such days feel like forever. Thank you, Kurt. Now, my first question to you is, is this an autobiographical piece? Oh, very much so. Um, and I, I'm struck by how much I could remember of that day. Uh, for me, memory is the measure of what we deem important in our lives. And that I could remember even the guy's name, the young guy's name. I just know it was Jake. Um, and I could still see him in the stanchions. Uh, there was something about that moment that uh, has always stayed with me. And there was a, a sense of class in the moment. I knew it had done. There was something about this guy working really hard behind, uh, you know, milking a cow while I'm there at age 14, just, you know, day off from high school, don't mind me. Mm -hmm. Just going to rent a goose blind out in the field there and, Maybe you can have a little extra pocket money, so maybe you could go to a movie in town. I mean, it just, it just was such a classic scene. It's a different way of uh, exercising class in America. It sounds like you were, you were somewhat uncomfortable with the differential between the, the your status and, and that of Jake's, too. And maybe that was a moment where it really hit me in life uh, it, it could have just been the realization of class there's for it to hit me this strongly for it to have lasted this long in my lifetime there had to be a moment of realization here mm. perhaps that something wasn't quite right with this picture but setting that aside what also made the day was just the enormity of the scene that thousands of geese just everywhere. And it is literally true that at night, when I went to bed, all I could hear in my ears was just honking. It stayed with me I, all night. I don't know how I got to sleep, but I'm just being bone tired. The geese sung, sung me to sleep, I guess. I like the bit where you said, let's see if I can find it now. One thing remains for sure. For Jake and his family, milking the cows at dawn came with a job. He had the Milky Way. I had the Milky Way. I and, just, I love that. <laughs> and for the um, the listener that may be hard to appreciate in the text, the first Milky Way, he had the Milky Way, is in mm -hmm. small letters. Mm -hmm. 
And then I capitalized Milky Way when I say I had the Milky Way. Goes right back to Lee's Lee's haiku. And the first time I read it from House to Barn, the Milky Way, I had that picture in my mind of walking from the house to the barn and looking overhead, and there's this Milky Way. Mm. It was only in the course of writing this, whatever this is, um, that it, it occurred to me that Lee is about the same age I am, Lee Gerga. He too probably had this experience of, of a dairy farm somewhere back in his life. Mm -hmm. And it was not just a Milky Way above, but on the ground, it was a Milky Way from going from house to barn. Once that revelation was there, I mean, it was clear that this was such a perfect haiku uh, for the experience I'd had on my first day of goose hunting that just became woven together in the story. Now you see, you you say you, you use the term whatever this is about this piece, and I'm I'm thinking, it's it's very personal, so autobiographical, very personal. And I'd be very comfortable defining this as highbun, and because, you know, if um if people are interested, there are you know any number of personal stories that have been woven into Highburn, um, and I'll put a, a few links in. I mean, Michael Dillon Welsh has got a whole page on the different types of Highburn uh, he's written on his Grace Guts website. Um, and then there's a podcast I did at the end of 2022 of the Highburn that we nominated for Touchstones and where I invited the, the writers to come and read their work themselves. And many of them, when we were chatting about the work, said that they were inspired by personal stories. So I wondered, Kurt, why was it that you didn't feel totally comfortable defining this piece as, as Highburn? One was the overall length. Um, but second, it felt like I was offering a type of criticism, a literary criticism of Lee Gerga's mm -hmm. um, haiku. So that didn't feel highboonish. Um, it also felt like a personal essay. Mm -hmm. And maybe all of that could be melded into a highbun. Uh, I'm not sure if highbuns uh, are expected to be in the present tense. Uh, this is in the past tense. Yeah, I, um, I suppose that there is that to it. Um, and so there's a there's a looking back feel to this. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of put all that together. Certainly, I'm benefiting uh, from these um, form of hypon in my uh, in putting this together. Mm -hmm. And there was a part of me that said, I don't care what the form is. This is just the way it's got to be. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to do it, and then we'll figure it out afterwards. And in thinking about where to send it, I'd said, well, Patricia thinks out of, out of the box. Thank you. <laughs> so she's the one. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I'm still going to say I'm, I'm quite happy with the high one, with it being high one. And well, you, you said the, the length of it um, 
seems to have troubled you. I was reading Sean O'Connor's work, um, both his book Fragmentation and his book The God of Bones, and he has got some very, very long pieces in there. And and I was having a chat with him, and I said, you know, how do you how do you figure out whether it's high? You know, at that point, is it high bun? Because there is such a lot of prose without the high uh, the haiku in, included. Um, and he sort of gave a, a piece of advice that um, if your reader or if you, as, as the writer, feel that there there should have been a haiku somewhere earlier in the piece, or if you think it's lack, what I'm trying to say is if you think it's lacking haiku, um, then probably you're, you've not written a haibun, you've written something else. I suppose the question no. would be, is is the piece long or is is it that you don't have enough haiku in the piece? That is a very helpful perspective. Um, I would not add a single haiku to the okay. piece. I think having leaves haiku where I put it mm -hmm. uh, works well in the closing and the opening uh, haiku and the tanaka. Well, that's the other piece. Haibon, um, I snuck a tanaka in here, yep. uh, which <laughs> <laughs> might make this tanaka prose in that category too. So it was... Uh, the hybrid nature of the of the piece that uh, also you know was it discouraged me from just outright proclaiming it was a high bond. Yeah. I, I thought, well, let more experienced minds um, grapple with this. But it, if it's anything, it's it comes, I think, closest to a high bond. But maybe others would say, well, well would quibble. Yeah, with, yeah. I tell you what, we'll let our we'll let our listeners quibble. They can write to me and tell me what what side of the fence they're going to fall down on. Haibun, not Haibun, and if not Haibun, where where would they put it? That would be very interesting to find out. Um, now, the other thing that interested me about this, Kurt, and really grabbed my attention, was the fact that you put Lee Gerger's work in the piece. And I wondered, how did that come about? What gave you this idea? Well, first I know Lee. Uh, mm -hmm. Lee is uh, the major reason why I'm doing haiku. Uh, I put together in Madison a poetry reading group, mm -hmm. and uh, Lee was invited by one of our members to join, and um, was suggested that he would do a presentation on haiku. And three years later, here I am. Uh, <laughs> And this one, this haiku was one of the haiku that he gave on that opening presentation, mm -hmm. and it uh, stayed with me. And uh, the scene that I pictured in my head was that walking from the house to the barn to rent the goose blind. Uh, it was just there um, in my mind. So it was inescapable that. Uh, I had to write about the experience overall, and I had to fold Lee's haiku into it. Uh, so, and go ahead. I was just going to ask: was the was the haiku was that the basis? Lee's haiku was that the base of this piece? It it flowed 
from that haiku? I had, uh, I think it was when I wrote Geese Honking Pre-Dawn, Headlights mm -hmm. in the Dark, that then I had to do something um, in such a way that I, I just had to link it all together in, in, in my brain. And and, the, and I think also the closing taco may have come before all the prose. So then it was a question, uh, linking the dots is uh, sort of makes this sounds like a silly exercise, but I had to use the, all of these in a, in a piece and how it came to me. Um, probably in the summer, I was out in the yard with my laptop writing away and, and it was just there, the path that I had to do. And these aren't all um, pre, you know, planned and they just happen in a moment of inspiration. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how this came together. I, th I think it's a beautiful piece, Kurt. And um, I, th I thank you very much for for thinking of me when you were thinking of sending it out to the publications. And um, as you know, you've given me an idea for our next Highburn call-out, which will be the 16th to the 31st of July. I would like our community of poets and writers to integrate the haiku of another poet into their haibun, just just as you've done here. Obviously, um, I don't want to see it as the only haiku in the piece. I'd like to see the the writers write obviously their own prose, but their own haiku with the piece too. But one stipulation, and I know you and I have, have touched on it before we started recording, that we need to avoid copyright issues here. So when you use somebody else's poem, I need to know the publication details of that haiku. Um, and I, I will need to acknowledge that when I put it in the, the journal. So no, if you don't have that information, please don't use it or or send it to me because that will be a, a no-go um, for that, for, for this call out. So Kurt, I, I thank you for being such an inspiration to us all, for writing this piece and sharing it with us. And I think you might just have one last piece of advice for any budding writers out there too. Yes, Patricia, uh, I sent this piece to you, well, as you said, maybe a, a month or two ago. And then I set it aside um, and came back to it. That always reveals you know, some error that needs to be fixed. But then I started reading it aloud and I thought, oh my God, I can't say <laughs> that aloud. I, I mean, it just, there's, I had memorial, immemorial, uh, for instance, and I realized I can't, I, like I said, I just couldn't say that, although I just did. Uh, but I, I crossed out immemorial and there's just no way that was going to survive. And I, however, I wasn't even sure what it meant. So it was that exercise of uh, <laughs> of going through the, this uh, out loud that just made a very big difference. So that was my that's my advice. That's what I've learned from this: is no piece is done until you've read it out loud. Yeah, good advice. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, um, Kurt. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, and I should tell everyone that uh, not to worry if you can't remember the piece, 
because it's going to be in the first journal um, in 2023. So you'll be able to read it and it should be out soon. Um, and make sure you're signed up for the mailing so you're one of the first to find out when it's published. Thanks, Kurt. Do you think you could end the podcast with another reading of From House to Barn? Yeah, we'll give it a we'll give, <laughs> pardon <laughs> the pun, but we'll give it a shot. Um, okay. <laughs> geese honking, pre-dawn, headlights in the dark. Mid-October, still nighttime, but with a hint of light on the eastern horizon. Back then, I was just 14. Dad had to excuse me from my high school classes in suburban Milwaukee to hunt for geese on farmland outside the Huracan Wildlife Refuge. It was about a 90-minute drive away in the early, early morning darkness. The refuge was world famous. That day, I would see why. We stopped at the farmer's home to pay for the goose blind we'd reserved. Dad knocked on the back door that abutted the driveway midway to the barn. In Wisconsin, maybe everywhere, the real main door is the back one. You could see your breath cold. An older woman in a pink bathrobe came to the door. I glanced inside. Torn wallpaper, metal kitchen table, piles of the Reader's Digest, linoleum floor cracked in the corner. Her husband was out in the barn with Jake, their son. And so, in our hunting boots and clothes, think Earth Town, we trudged over a path of flat embedded stones in the yard and onto the driveway with its gravel crunch. The barn door stood in a halo of light from a high-posted lamp. Alas, few crickets. In the night sky, so unlike the city, was a vast tumbling of stars. From house to barn, the Milky Way. Lee Gerga. Lee Gerga's house to barn haiku has become inseparable with my memory of that morning's goose hunt. The haiku's economy of words matched the lifestyle I'd seen through the back door. The steps down the back stairs and towards the barn matched the haiku's progressively indented lines. And that path from house to barn to milk the cows was, as Dad and I would see, literally a milky way. This was the 70s. Wisconsin farmers had their own small herds, dairy cows, along with corn and hayfields. We didn't have any big ag factory farms back then. Upon ducking through the small white barn door, there in the steamy hay mist of that pre-dawn dairy farm, I spotted Jake in one of the stanchions behind a black and white cow and our eyes briefly locked then and looked away. Jake, maybe 30, mustache, unshaven, green and gold Packers cap, dark rings beneath his eyes. Did Jake see me as some rich suburban kid with all the advantages? 
were Dad and I like English landlords examining the tenants and exercising some sort of manorial right to hunt their land? Was Jake just tired, maybe knowing that morning he'd be off to his second job to help keep the farm afloat and get health insurance for a pregnant wife? But one thing remains for sure. For Jake and his family, milking the cows at dawn came with the job. He had the Milky Way. I had the Milky Way. And so Dad paid the farmer, and we took our stuff out to a wooden blind camouflaged by tied-up cornstalks. It was a closely regulated hunt. We'd been allotted one goose each to shoot for the season. Dawn and the geese came, thousands upon thousands from dots far away to flocks a thousand yards near, to small formations or strays not far above the tree line within shotgun range. All day with their calls, those honks, calling to each other, calling to the world, all of them leaving their night marsh refuge to nearby farmers' cornfields for midday dinner. A goose has got to eat. Home after the hunt, head on pillow, the mine hearing geese horizon to horizon. Such days feel like forever. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a delight. So now, what do you think of that? It's an interesting idea. I hope you'll agree. I'll put the criteria in the show notes, but just to go over them again, write a high one of any length you like on any topic you like. You must include a haiku by another poet and you must include its citation. I need to know where it was published first. And without that, I'm afraid it's an automatic rejection. You can, of course, add some of your haiku too. Not a problem. In fact, I'd love you to do that as well. Please check out our normal criteria for Haibun because they still apply. And you'll find that on the website, on the submission pages. The submission period for this next call out is the 16th to the 31st of July. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you come up with, as is Shane, our Haibun editor here at Poetry P. But don't forget, before we open for Haibun in July, we have a Haiku and Senryu call out, and the deadline for that is the 15th of July. So you can submit from the 1st to the 15th. Again, details are on the website. So thank you again to Kurt. You know, we have a plan for him to come back. And thank you for coming along and listening. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, do feel free. We'd really appreciate it. So until next time, when I'll be reading the original poetry you wrote in response to Eve Castle's wonderful presentation on inner and outer weather, keep writing. And of course, if I've missed anything in the show notes, do let me know. Email me, that's the best way. Ciao!